1: Welcome to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host Mara James, and I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Shari Becker, a licensed clinical psychologist, registered yoga teacher, and certified meditation teacher.
2: Hi, hey, Mara. So How are, are you? you,
1: Shari? It's so wild and crazy and amazing to see you. So, if you would like to share with our um, guests watching and/or listening. Um, why it's so wild for us to see each other uh, after so many years and kind of about um, our background together.
2: Absolutely, Mara. It would be my pleasure. Um, So I have to say, you may not know this, but my first memory in my lifetime was the day that the James family moved in down the street from me on Ingram Street in Forest Hills, Queens, New York. And your in-laws walked into their home with i guess it was two girls and then in each arm they were carrying the twins and one of those twins is mara's husband kenny and so i grew up um, down the street from the james family and they were like a second family to me so it's just amazing to be here with you right now Each of us has had our own separate journey, and you're across the country from me right now, and yet here we are. Amazing, right?
1: Another silver lining from COVID. So you have done so much with your life, with your family. If you want to talk a little bit about just, you know, a little bit about your family life, your uh, amazing children, and then you could share with us about your um, professional life. I would love to
2: so um, I am incredibly blessed to actually be celebrating my 30th wedding anniversary with my husband Dan. Um, We met in law school at NYU Law School exactly 35 years ago and talk about miracles now Um, about a month ago I guess it was the end of August we moved our oldest son Zach into the same dorm at NYU Law School that my husband and I lived in. <laughs> I, my
1: whole body has chills right now. Wow!
2: So wow! Coming full circle in life, right? Absolutely. So I um, am, you know, thrilled that he's there. He's at a place that Dan and I both loved, and so together we have three sons. So I am the very proud mom of um, Zach, who's about to be 25, and Matt, who is 22, and Justin, who is 20. And it's been a real journey for me to raise three boys into young men. I know nothing about sports. It's like they're speaking a different language every time (laughs) they sit down and talk about sports, which is the primary topic of conversation Um, and it's just been just my absolute privilege and pleasure. And yes, it's been difficult and challenging and I've learned so much Um, but just grateful to be in that position today Um, and amazed too that we're at this point where they are grown and, and doing their own thing. So you said you met
1: your husband at law school. And what I've noticed is that my intro of you did not include lawyer, but it (laughs) talked more about clinical psychologists and all these other amazing things.
2: So can you talk about that transition? Absolutely, Um, especially Mara, because I do feel that it was a very significant uh, part of my journey. So when I was in college, um, junior year, I was deciding between should I go to law school or should I go on to get? a PhD in psychology, I was a psychology major. And my thinking about it at the time was really interesting. Um, I remember thinking I had some sense of myself as being successful in the business world and that the way to do that was the man's way. And that meant going to law school. And so I chose that path for myself first and um, did not like law school at all. And my dad who you know had a, his own interesting life story, he was a Holocaust survivor. Um, he became a building contractor. He had a lot of trouble earning an adequate living to support his family. And he really wanted me to be an attorney. He felt that I would be able to use my academic skills um, to be able to support myself and at that time, I just didn't have the strategies to be able to make my own choices um, for myself and stand up for myself, and so I continued on the path that he chose for me until I could no longer do that, um, which was two years into practicing law. Wow! And at that time, um, I was you know married, and I felt personally ready, I had been in therapy for probably about three years at that time. And I was ready to not ask for permission, but to acknowledge that I was not happy, that I didn't feel fulfilled in the work that I was doing and I was going to make a change. And I went back to school and I got my PhD in clinical psychology.
1: Wow, and I didn't even know we were gonna go here with this conversation today, but it's so profound a child following, wanting to make their parent happy and following in what they thought that they should do to make the parent happy as opposed fo- to following their own heart, which ends in a great story for you because you did make that trans- the transition, but how many children are out there that aren't doing what makes them happy, they did it for the wrong reasons and the emotions that they're encountering now, I'm sure you can shed some light on this
2: yeah i mean i think one of the most difficult emotions for people to sit with is regret Mm -hmm. and um you know i think that when we make choices that build one upon the next upon the next or we just allow the choices to be made for us we end up i think building maybe resentment um but often a sense of regret that we did not live the life that we would have chosen for ourselves. And there's a lot of pain in that and a lot of struggle. And then sometimes we start to see symptoms, right? Like anxiety, depressed mood, things like that, um, that obviously can be diagnosed in a clinical setting, but really it's about lifestyle and it's about choices that we've made and about emotions that we're not processing, because we feel like we don't have a choice.
1: Mm, Not having a choice. Wow. And that's just um, an illusion, because we have so many choices. But when we're stuck in that world, very powerful. Um, So tell us now about the transition about going to um, obtain your PhD. And then after after that, how you were led to become a yoga, registered yoga teacher, and the meditation teacher.
2: Yeah, and it's so amazing, sort of, to hear you say it this way, Mara, because you could just kind of get the sense of how our lives unfold as a journey, right? How just sure. one thing leads into the next, leads into the next. Um, yeah, um, so I applied to doctoral programs in clinical psychology. And the one that uh, was the best fit for me at the time ended up being Fairleigh Dickinson in TMEC, New Jersey. So we moved out of New York City to a state that might as well have been Alaska for me because (laughs) I was such a New Yorker and I never imagined that I would end up in New Jersey. And so we moved out here um, so that I could go to school here. And um, I really enjoyed graduate school I could just tell the difference Um, truthfully I'm going to raise the word soul because that's how it felt to me that that choice and where I was at that time felt much more in alignment with my soul than being a lawyer did Um, I could just feel it I could sense that here I am and this is where I belong and so, um, yeah, five years later um, and including one child <laughs> later, I got my PhD. Cause I guess at some point I started having children during that journey um, and then um, started practicing and very small private practice at first um, because I wanted to balance my work life with my mom life, my home life. And I was fortunately able to do that, I had that choice. And so um, then probably like pretty soon after I started practicing as a clinical psychologist, I found a yoga studio locally. And you know, it sounds a little hokey, but from the first time I practiced in that studio with that particular teacher, I felt at home Um, I'm not really I don't identify myself as an athlete I never played sports but I always like to be active and to exercise and I found that yoga in the way that it was taught by this teacher it challenged me physically and it really helped me um, also access the teachings of yoga that she was brilliant at teaching. And so very early on into my yoga practice, I became aware that a lot of the yogic teachings could help me in my own life. It was so easy for me to see like, oh, that could apply to that situation I'm in, or that could apply to this situation. And then I couldn't help by extending that process to my patients and what they were going through. The thing is though, as a psychologist, you're taught that there are certain rules, you know, and there's a certain box that you need to stay within. Um, Like there's this like imaginary, like therapy police that are gonna come and (laughs) give you away if you violate these regulations. And so it's a little bit tentative at first about introducing the yogic teachings into my work as a psychologist. And I, proceeded cautiously and gently, and I asked permission from my patients one by one, um, if they were interested in hearing something that I had learned in yoga that might apply to this situation. And then, you know, 20 years later, I've been doing that kind of flow with them for 20 years, and it just feels so seamless and natural now. Um, Not only have I, integrated yogic teachings into my work as a psychologist, but there've been other modalities that I've also studied and incorporated, including, um, for example, positive psychology and mindfulness in particular. But honestly, Mara, I just feel like there's wisdom everywhere. So, you know, if I'm watching Ted Lasso, you know, or if I'm, talking to my, one of my kids or just anything that I come across that might be helpful and relevant gets brought into the mix. You know? Absolutely. Nice. And yeah, nice and easy.
1: So that's a great word. I've done yoga. I had my manic episode and spiritual awakening seven years ago and I would never have done yoga. I couldn't have slowed down to do it before that. And I was just, it was time for me to enter, you know, my yoga studio. But I haven't heard that um, terminology, yoga teachings. So I'd love to hear, you said something about positive. I forgot what the second word was. But if you can talk a little more about that, because as you're aware, and most people are aware, the Hugs for Life Healing Center, which is part of ELF Extraordinary Lives Foundation, the mission is to bridge that gap between medical professionals, approved holistic healers, which includes yoga studios and meditation. So if we can talk about that, it'd be profound.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a very big topic. So I can certainly touch upon it um, because I mean, for me, it's just so humbling, honestly. And even after practicing for 20 years, I've probably like maybe touched the tip of the iceberg on what there is to offer. Um, So I was very fortunate in that um, I I trained to be a yoga teacher and as a volunteer went into mental health settings. I taught um, this, basically a style of yoga that I created. I'm sure other people teach it, but um, I created it specifically because each week I would go into this intensive outpatient psychiatric setting and I wouldn't know who would be there to meet me that day. I wouldn't know if there would be a lot of people who are experiencing depression and the mood would be really low, the energy would be quiet. I wouldn't know if the mood would be anxious or more manic, and I would need to start with a walking mindful meditation. And so I really believe that there's um, different Different types of yoga practice for different types of people. Um, but, you know, there are so many teachings, including, I'll just start with my yoga class today, the theme I used was based on um, ahimsa, which is nonviolence, non-harming. It's part of the Ten Commandments of Yoga, one of the first two of the eight limbs of yoga. And um, so ahimsa. I used and interpreted today as self-care. And so I taught my class inspired by the principle of Ahimsa and invited the yoga students um, to use each pose, each transition between poses and even each breath that they took as an act of self-care. So, an example of how I would weave a yoga teaching into a yoga class, and an example of how I might bring it into my psychotherapy practice might be to help shift perspective. For example, if somebody is going through a very challenging time in their lives, to see that, as you did, by the way, personally, to see that challenge as an opportunity for growth and transformation. And when people are suffering and struggling, they're not always open to hearing that. But honestly, in my mind and from my perspective, as the therapist, I'm wondering, hmm, I wonder why this is happening in this person's life right now. What is the opportunity that is here for them that they may not be willing or able to see right now, but that I, as the therapist, I'm gonna keep in the back of my mind that inquiry. I love that, yeah.
1: Um, Gosh, there's so many questions and so many statements. I don't know where to start. So I love the practice, um, the idea of gratitude. And you said something, and I'm not good at quoting, But um, like when you teach them, like the the self-care is just as simple as the breath. And so many of us take breathing for granted. It's just something we do, whether or not we think about it, but to like be mindful and grateful that we have, you know, air to breathe and that we could take the next breath and it could nurture our body and soul is so profound. So thank you for um, bringing that to my attention and everybody else's. Wow. Um, and I do love also the thought of um, meeting the person where they're at and when it's time and if it's time to start, um, you know, planting seeds about alternative ways to be, to think, to feel. Shari, we are going, or Dr. Shari, we're going to take a brief break and we're going to be right back and we're to get again some really juicy stuff. So hold on, everybody. We'll be right back.
0: In these shifting and changing times, more and more lives are being impacted by mental health. The Extraordinary Lives Foundation, also known as ELF, is transforming the way people view and navigate mental health challenges. Their mission is to improve children's mental health and wellness and support families by providing educational tools, resources, and awareness events. ELF encourages families to recognize symptoms, overcome the stigma, visit the Extraordinary Lives Foundation website at www.elfempowers.org to find out more about their resources and events. Together, we can change the conversation around mental health. We hope that you're enjoying today's Let's Talk Wellness podcast, and if you have a topic that you would like us to explore, we would love to hear from you. Simply email us at info at elfempowers.org. That's info at elfempowers.org. And now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Let's Talk Wellness. I'm your host, Mara James, and today we have Dr. Shari Becker, a licensed clinical psychologist registered yoga teacher, and certified meditation teacher.
2: Hi, Mara. So good to be back.
1: Hi there. So you shared some really great information with us. And I always personally love to hear stories um, that fill your heart and soul that you would like to share with us. Obviously not saying any names. We don't want to break any uh, HIPAA. So if you could um, start us off with that, it'd be great.
2: Absolutely, I would, I would love to. Um, so this story in particular actually just came up this week and it warms my heart so much because this woman is in her late 60s. And she came to me a couple of years ago um, actually because she was struggling with her weight. So it was like this kind of more outer experience that she was having. And again, I become really curious, like, what's really bringing her to me? What is this journey going to be like for her? And, um, you know, for her to be able to take care of herself in a meaningful way, um, I don't focus on people's weight, actually, I focus on what are the obstacles in their way of taking care of themselves in a way that reflects self-love and self-compassion? Why do they continue to make choices and decisions that are not serving them well? So this woman has been very actively involved in her work and um, accepting the challenges that have come her way. So she came in the other day and she's really excited and proud of herself to share this story. Um, We've been working on boundaries and interpersonal boundaries and self-care and mindful decision-making. And so her adult son called her to say, um, hey, mom, grandma, um, how do you feel about babysitting for the grandkids tomorrow when we go to back to school night? And she, as a lot of people do, work on habitual patterned responses, right? So she said, oh, of course. And then her son said, oh, by the way, just want to let you know the kids both have stomach viruses. And my patient happens to live with her father, who's in his 90s, and who's fragile medically. And she said, okay, no problem, I can handle it. Because that's her habitual pattern response, is not to check in with herself, and not to be mindful, but just to say yes. And then what she usually does, and she reported this to me, is she gets a stomach ache and takes Imodium which she has carried around in her bag with her for 30 years. So this time she got off the phone with her son and she noticed because she's been practicing mindfulness that her belly was yelling at her. (laughs) Her belly was constricted and hurting and speaking to her in the language of sensation. And she noticed and paid attention to that. And she started going through the mindful decision-making practice that I had just taught her the week before where she checked in with herself and said, does this make sense? And she said, no, this doesn't make sense at all. My dad is 90 something, I'm 60 something. I am not going to babysit for those kids. And so she checked in with that and how that felt in her body. And she said, That feels like a yes. And she called her son and she let him know that this time she wouldn't be able to babysit for the kids as much as she always loves to, but that she needed to prioritize her health and her father's health. And that she hoped that he would find somebody else who could do it. So it's just amazing to see someone really putting the work that, you know, all of the work that she's doing got put into action and she was able to notice she didn't have stomachache then.
1: Amazing. And it sounds like I don't have a degree, you do that, but she's been a people pleaser her whole life. And she just took a stand for herself and her son. I can't even imagine what his, um, what went through his head, but, you know, so mom probably never said no to him and to finally say no, but for the right reasons out of love, not anger must have been profound in their relationship.
2: Yeah, I think she's been showing him what she's been working on throughout. And thankfully, I think he loves her enough. Um, to be really open to the work that she's doing for herself and for him and for the next generation.
1: Wow. 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 Um, That is amazing. Um, Is there another story that um, comes to mind that you would like to share? Hmm. And, And do you work with adults, children, parents, like who is your primary, um, Who are your primary clients, patients?
2: Um, I work with people who are 17 and older. I made that decision uh, probably within a year or two after I first started practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually don't think that um, my strong suit is working with children. And what I learned was that if the parents didn't like what, the child was doing in session, they could decide not to drive them to therapy. I once had a 16 year old girl walk a mile in the snow to my office because her father didn't appreciate the separation and individuation process that she was going through. In the therapy, and she felt strongly enough that she got herself there. But that was a learning moment for me. And so basically, <laughs> you're allowed to drive at 17 in New Jersey. And so that's my limit. Um, and it's yeah. interesting right now. I have people, I see somebody who's 70, see a lot more people right now who are in their 60s who have recognized, especially I think during the pandemic, that life is short and Mm -hmm. they've been living a certain lifestyle, making certain choices, and they really want to turn things around for the remainder of their lives. It's very inspiring Mara.
1: Wow, so you've seen a big shift um, as a result of COVID.
2: Yes, um, I've, I've seen mostly people being so much more inspired and committed to their own personal therapeutic journey to creating the life that they envision themselves having. It's kind of like, time's up. Yeah. All those excuses that I've been making for not doing this and not doing that, time's up. It's now or never. And um, obviously COVID has been enormously difficult and people have struggled tremendously and also, um, and that's the beauty of positive psychology, right? They give us the and. Things have been very challenging and I think there's been a lot of inspiration that I've seen for people to show up in their lives more vibrantly, you know? And that's kind of how I end up with you here today. I've been writing, I've been speaking, so many things that I had Said to myself that I wanted to do professionally, and things were holding me back. It's now or never. Like, you know, it's, people really need the help right now. It's not fair for me to not talk.
1: No, absolutely. You have a mission. Um, you have a purpose here, and to share. And what's beautiful is that I'm. My next question was going to be if you do things virtually and or in person, but the fact that we have. Zoom, so we have access to five, you know, over 5 billion people in the world that anybody can choose to list, watch or listen to anybody, and you don't have to be there physically, is so profound. So one question is, do you do things virtually and or in person? Um, well, that's the first question. Let's go there.
2: One of the exciting things that I really want to share with you today, um, something that came out of COVID for me that I, I don't know that I ever would have started. Um, but was sort of a back in my mind dream was I teach an online weekly mindfulness meditation class. It's 30 minutes long. It is free. It is open to anybody. And I have to tell you this adorable, amazing story. So um, when the pandemic hit, I said, I I have to offer this meditation class. And so I told my... um, synagogue i sent them an email i said i'm going to be offering this please put it out there to the membership it is free everyone is welcome and so i have people in their 80s who never in a million years thought they would be practicing meditation now sitting for a year and a half every week and there are other people as well, people of all ages, people come and go, but we have like this kind of regular community. Some of them are without Mara and they live alone and they're before people were going out and before people were vaccinated. It is the most touching, humbling experience every Thursday morning at 8.30 to know that these people are just waiting to say good morning to somebody.
1: Yes, and to feel that connection. And to clarify, that's 8.30 Eastern time, 5.30 Western time uh, specific uh, Pacific time. So I'm not sure uh, you get many of us to wake up that early. But um, that's so you just created a community which will help these people feel more connected, less depressed. Thank you for doing that. Thank you on behalf of them. And because that is beautiful, profound. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I do you do individual sessions um, on Zoom or are those mostly in person.
2: Oh, so just back to the meditation. Just yes, so, me. yes, of if course. I record them every week because some people like to have the recording, and then some people can't make it at eight thirty in the morning. So, if there are any West Coast people or anybody who's interested, they can just email me, and I'll give you the information later. And I would be happy to put them on my email distribution list and they can have access. And um, really, each week, there's a theme. It's, um, I mean, I wouldn't call it mental health theme per se, but it really is, you know, it's really about, you know, just kind of like ideas from everywhere about how to help enhance the quality of our lives. Yeah. And do you have a website that you list those on as well?
1: Or... I have a
2: website, um, but I'm not so tech advanced that I have them listed right now. Um, I'm moving into the section, and I do also, in answer to your question, um, the laws are in flux right now about providing mental health care through telehealth, but I do see patients virtually um certainly we all were doing that during the pandemic and also um, once i was vaccinated and people in my office suite were vaccinated we are welcoming anybody who is vaccinated into the office who wants to come in in person and that's been really um, special and just very again moving to be able to come back into the in-person and also so grateful for the online option for people who aren't interested, willing or able to come in person.
1: For sure. You mentioned positive psychology, correct? Yes. Okay, let's talk about that. I've always heard, you know, don't use the word but use the word end and I've started doing that and it's beautiful. Um, can you talk to us a little bit share what that meet those two words very powerful words actually mean?
2: Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Um, So positive psychology, actually, I believe was um, brought to life by Dr. Martin Seligman, who originally coined the term learned helplessness, and then shifted his thinking about mental health and started focusing on learned optimism. And so there are many other Um, instructors and people who study and teach positive psychology, including Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, Dr. Maria Sirwa, and um, they are just a wealth of information about this topic. Um, But what I love about positive psychology is like the authenticity of it, right? Because there are people um, who kind of say affirmations like, oh, you just have to think positive, or you just have to move on and just have to let it go. And I always kind of say to people like that just is five years of therapy right there. (laughs) You know, these are like- Minimum, minimum. Long processes and we don't want to minimize the challenge and the difficulty. And we also want to acknowledge that in life, there are many reasons to feel grateful and hopeful. There's the silver lining, right? And we want to acknowledge that both are happening simultaneously. One of the things that I love about positive psychology is that they offer specific strategies, including the act. They have languaging that's really helpful. For example, one of my favorites is give yourself permission to be human. I just, there's something about that line. Um, when you're, One of the perfect times that it was applied for me was um, I was kind of in Brené Brown's words, having a like a shame storm about something that I had said and done to a friend um, on her birthday. And like, there was just no excuse. There was no excusing it. There was no explaining it. I happened to think I was way more upset about it than she was. Um, But the shame is another one, like regret is so brutally difficult, shame is another powerfully painful emotion that people experience because we just want to run for the hills, we want to get out of our skin, we want to blame somebody else, we want to numb it out, get me out of this experience. But what that line did when I called my friend who did the 10-month positive psychology course, I didn't even tell her the story. She didn't have time to hear it. She just said, whatever it is, go into child's pose on your yoga mat for 15 minutes and give yourself permission to be human. I just want to cry
1: because I'm picturing myself doing that and the tears coming out that like little girl, because yeah, wow, wow. you said the just word and how that leads, right? Because what about this? Because um, I, you know, going through a healing journey with my father, my father who recently passed away at 99. And my husband's like, you have to go visit him. Or The, ha- the have tos or the shoulds. Is that any part of this pos- positive psychology?
2: Uh, so I don't know about whether it's a part of positive psychology. I will tell you in my office, my patients know that there are certain words that sort of we don't use because they're not helpful. They include good, bad, should, and shouldn't, right? Because those are all terms of judgment. Yes. And generally, I find them to be unhelpful in our decision-making process. So good,
1: ha- Shouldn't so instead of saying I shouldn't have yada yada, how would you re? How do we rephrase it? How do we rethink it?
2: Well, I guess one thing you could do is you could say something along the lines of I feel obligated to go visit my father. There's a part of me that feels obligated to visit my father, and there's a part of me that is very aware that I feel very resistant to visiting him. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay. And work
2: with that, right? Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. We're gonna talk offline about this class because I'm now very interested. Who knows, we always continue to grow and learn more. Um, Yeah, Yeah. Sherry, our time has flown. So before we um, share your contact information, the best way to get in touch with you, are there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with us?
2: Um, Just, I, I, I think that the research has shown that gratitude is a very powerful practice. And again, remembering to honor that part that's difficult and challenging and to try to find a way to cultivate gratitude as a regular practice, because if we don't use it, we really don't strengthen the gratitude muscles. And gratitude happens, we want it to happen in the body. We want to feel it, we want to feel Mm -hmm. the sensations in the heart, the tenderness, the openness, the warmth, those sensations that are associated with the emotion of gratitude otherwise it's just a word we throw around
1: yeah right. and just saying that i felt it it made me smile how what word would you use for like three to seven year olds for gratitude it's a big word what's a little word for that thank you thank you oh okay wow yeah and thank you from the heart not because i should say it but because i feel like thank you for this Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So what's the best way to get in touch with you?
2: The best way to reach me is through email. Okay. Um, my email address is shariabeckerphd at gmail.com. I also do have a website, drsharibecker.com. And all of my contact information is there. And I would welcome the opportunity to hear from you.
1: And social media. Do you, are you on any platforms?
2: Professionally, I am on Instagram um, and usually I will post if I write a blog, if I, I, I have blog posts that are all on my website and I actually um, hope that you'll check them out because I really dug down deep to write some of them and they're very, um, hopefully you'll find them interesting and relatable. Um, but Dr. Sherry Becker, and also, um, I think Twitter, no, no Twitter, um, Instagram is at Dr. Shari Becker. Yeah. Beautiful. So and Becker PhD at Gmail, website, Dr. Shari Becker.com, Instagram at Dr. Shari Becker.
1: Beautiful. And we'll put that all in the text here. Um, and okay. And did
2: you say you do have a newsletter that you send out? I do. Um, I send out an email probably about once a month at this point. Perfect. It'll list all of the activities that are going on, my new blog posts, the series that I might be running or any, you know, and the regular yoga mindfulness-based gentle yoga class that I teach on Tuesdays and the weekly meditation class on Thursday mornings.
1: Beautiful. Shari, it has been such a pleasure reconnecting you with you after all these years. I am so grateful to you and for you, for what you bring to this world. And don't forget that you and all of our friends out there,
2: you are amazing. Oh, there. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really love joining you today. i'm so great to see you again. Take care.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Wellness. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hugs for Life Healing Center, a division of the Extraordinary Lives Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. If you would like to listen to more conversations like this, we invite you to subscribe to our mailing list at www.elfempowers.org to be notified when our weekly episodes are published. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to bringing you our next conversation on Let's Talk Wellness.